You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. I think one of these times I'm going to preach and have you all stand during the whole time. See what I hear that makes retention a little bit better. But um, thanks, Joel. Joel's going to be here again tonight at 6, and uh, we're excited and uh, for that, so join us for that. How many of you heard the phrase, good grief? Yeah, and so we, we think of it as a term of frustration, and, and that's part of it. But as we continue our series on seasonal emotions, I want us to think about and to grasp this biblical idea of good grief. And that um, we're going to be talking about today maybe the most difficult of emotions, which is grief. And as I think about grief, I think about it's, it's in what I do as a pastor, I get to see the highs of the highs and the lows of the lows. And many times the lowest of the lows is grief. And it's this what I have come to, to know and understand as this beautiful messiness and that the messiness of it is that it's real life and that we lose someone or something. And in that moment that we lose someone or something, there's a deprivation that happens. That it's literally, as the researchers tell us, it's like we've lost our ability to breathe in that moment. Something that has given life to us, that has invested in us, we've lost. And so now we're deprived of it. And we long for it because we, we haven't done life without And so this morning, I want us to to understand that beautiful messiness and that there's goodness that God provides and brings goodness, even in the midst of the most difficult times of life called grief. And when when I think about grief in my own life, I think about the first time that I lost someone close to me. And I was I was in high school and as a grandparent and I knew that they were sick, they had cancer and and the days were numbered. And and I knew that I'd understand that. And. But I was in a class, and this was the day before cell phones. It was like two weeks before cell phones came out. No, I don't, I don't want to age myself completely. But, but it was a day where they used to still bring notes to the class. And so I was in a class, and I knew, I knew everybody in the class. And all of a sudden, here comes this the note comes in. It goes to the teacher. And something in me, as the teacher read it and got it, I knew what it was. And in that moment of knowing that everyone around me, I knew them. But in that moment of receiving that note and reading, hey, your grandfather's passed away, the loneliness of that. And to know that (laughs) at 18, just a couple of years later at 18, my first experience officiating a funeral was my other grandfather's. And I thought I was ready at 18. And to think that in that moment when I'm 18 and it was my mother's father, who she was one of 13, and the baby. And so I here I am, the youngest of the cousins, the youngest of all of this, and here I am as the one who at 18, who's called to ministry, is supposed to have the answers to bring comfort to my aunts and uncles and cousins in the midst of that. And thinking at 18, 
I have no idea what grief means. And then at 25, 26, losing a child early and thinking in the midst of that, that I've got to move on and that the machismo, the whatever it is in that moment of the American mindset of in that moment of it's happened, do and go. And so one of the greatest regrets of my adult life is not grieving in that moment well. As a matter of fact, we lost the child and surgery and all the different things that took place. And literally within 24 hours, I was in ministry. Literally within 24 hours, I'm on a mission trip with 30 other people. Trying to minister to others in the midst of my stuff. And so one of my greatest regrets is in that moment, one, myself not grieving, but also Sorry, this is not a counseling session for Chris, but I want to identify with you in understanding that in that moment that I didn't grieve with my wife like I should have. And so what I want you to get this morning is grieving is normal and that there is goodness in our grief and that all of us grieve and the depths of our grief have to do with the proximity of the person to us. And so there's moments where you're going to lose a grandparent, you're going to lose a spouse, you're going to lose a, a child, you're going to lose a pet, you're going to lose a job, you're going to lose a marriage, you're going to lose whatever. Grief is a normal part of our life. And that one of the things I think in American culture that we've lost is the inability to grieve well. And that parts of our mental health and social health and spiritual health issues are related to the fact that we've bought into this idea of we just, it happens and we move forward. But one of the things that I have seen and learned and the scripture teaches us is that grief is normal. And in the midst of that, through Christ, there's a living hope. There's a peace that passes human understanding. And there is an ability to move forward and that God actually takes the ashes and gives us crowns of beauty, as we'll see in a little bit. And so Jesus is our model for that. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, he says this, God blesses those who mourn. That doesn't seem like normal talk. That God would bless those who grieve, for they will be comforted. Now, again, this is what I want you to get is this. This is language of faith, because here's the deal is that I'm we're pulling back the curtain this morning and helping you understand that in the depths of the deepest of deep, deep, deep grief that you can possibly ever experience, God is our comforter. And the only way that you can receive that comfort is if you've said yes to him, to Jesus and his deposit of his Holy Spirit has taken residence with inside of you. And so that the scripture tells us that if God is inside of us, in the depths of our grief, he comforts us. And so if you're not someone who's a person of faith, this is language 
and an experience that's outside of what you can fully experience outside of Christ. Grief is normal, and God blesses in the midst of that. And here's the big piece, I think an interesting thing, is that the reason that we grieve is because we have something of worth and value to grieve over. And that that's part of the blessing. To not have lost is to not grieve. To not have someone or something to grieve over is to not have. And one, either you've made the investment or they've made the investment in you. And most of the times it's a two-way street. And so grief is a normal thing. And so this morning I want to give you a few things to think about. I'm going to give a whole bunch of verses. If you didn't get a sheet when you came in, grab it as you go out. Uh, Because you won't be able to write fast enough. But the first thing I want you to get is this, is give God your grief. Grief is normal and he wants you to receive it. He wants you to understand what to do with it, but not necessarily how we're going to grieve. Because each one of us in our grief, it's unique. Now, I don't know if you know, but there's, they, they tell us that there's seven stages of grief. And we have a tendency to think that, oh, we're going to go from anger to denial to all this different stuff. And if you've grieved at all, you know that that's not true. And in the beautiful messiness of grief that I've seen for people in the stages of life, it's not a linear passage, but it's more like a moving, shape-shifting maze with multiple floors. That it just kind of, and, and it, it, it's amazing what catches you and when it catches you. And, and, and that it may be a smell, it may be you see something, it may be whatever, TV show, whatever it may be, and it triggers something in you and you think, man, I didn't know that I was still dealing with that. And, and here you go, and you're another phase and another maze and all that. And again, it has to do with the proximity of the person to you. But I think the beautiful thing that Scripture tells us is there's a season and a time to grieve in the initial moments to grieve well. And as Ecclesiastes 3 4 says, There's a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. Now, Joseph, who became the leader of Egypt, when his father, when he received word that his father had died, he grieved for seven days. He spent time grieving over his father. And then when Moses died, the nation of Israel grieved for 30 days. Our Jewish friends have a thing called Shavah, and then the Shavah, it's a ritual of mourning. And in this ritual of mourning, again, it has to do with the proximity of the person to you on the amount of days and what's done and the ritualness of the grieving process. And I think that there's something in that that we've lost in American culture is that we just kind of do when we move. And and there's some things that we could be a part of that are rituals that will help us kind of move in some steps and understanding that grieving is not the end of the book. It's the next chapter. It's the next season. And again, there's something that's lost and deprived, but our life and life around us continues on. So how do we in our grief move forward? Well, grief can't be compared, right? It's just each one of us is unique. And the reason that you can give your God, your grief to God, the first thing is because God cares for you. He intimately knows you. If he knows the hairs on your head or the lack of hairs on your head, he cares about you. One of my favorite verses is 1 Peter 5, 7. Give, literally, it means to cast the heavy boulder. Okay? So not just casting to fish to catch something, but to cast the heavy boulder, the weight that you're carrying on your shoulders, cast it, all of your worries and cares to God, And he cares for you enough to catch it 
and to carry it for you. And the reason that he's willing to catch it and to carry it for you is because he understands. And Isaiah, it tells us he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest of grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. God has walked in our shoes in the person of Jesus and he experienced great grief. And in the midst of that, he says, cast your cares, your worries, your grief, the depths of your pain, the depths of your soul, the things that anguish you, cast them upon me because that's what I did on the cross was receive them. So that you can have comfort and peace that passes human understanding. God cares for you, so tell him how you feel. Tell him how you feel. Tell him how you are experiencing. David did this. If you look throughout the Psalms, David talked about the highs and the lows and the in-betweens. I think this is one of the things that we tend to lose is if we are in a relationship with someone else, there are moments that we get annoyed with them. And what do we do? We let them know. When there are moments in a relationship with someone else and we are angry and frustrated and we don't have answers, what do we do? We let them know. And the beauty of what David did is all throughout Psalms is he gave us a good reflection of what a relationship with God can be like and be like, God, I don't understand. Or God, thank you for the blessings. So feel free to express your emotions and then also don't apologize for your feelings. Because God gave us feelings. And the reasons that he gave us anger, the reason that he gave us grief, the reason that he gave us worry, the reason that he gave us anxiety was so that we would have the ability to appropriately express what we're feeling. Because God didn't create robots. He created humans to do life together. And in those emotions is when we are bonded together. And in those emotions of grief, especially that we're bonded with God. He says, let me know, because in letting him know is those moments where he can then do the healing that he needs to do. So let the feelings out and don't apologize for your feelings. In Psalm 31, have mercy on me, Lord, for I am in distress. Any of you ever felt like you're in distress, overwhelmed? Tears blur my eyes. My body and my soul are withering away. For I am dying from my grief. And that's, that's powerful words, isn't it? My years are shortened because of my sadness. So God cares for you. Express how you feel. Again, I think one of the things that we've lost is this, these rituals. And so in Esther chapter 4, there's a beautiful uh, image of that and Mordecai had learned something that distressed him overweighed his soul And so here's what it says in Esther 4 when Mordecai learned the thing that grieved him and that would have been done He tore his clothes that, that would be interesting wouldn't it? And then what did he do put on burlap which would be it's itchy and scratchy The discomfort And he put ashes all over his face And he went into the city and he cried with a loud and bitter wail People knew that Mordecai was grieving. 
It's okay to express in the right context, in the right place, to express our feelings and to let those things out. That's what God has created us to do that. He's given us avenues to do that. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 11, verse 35, a verse that if you've never memorized any other verse, you can memorize this one. John eleven thirty-five. Ready? Jesus wept. Wept. He was moved by the grief of Mary and Martha, and he was moved by the fact that his friend, Lazarus, was dead. Grief is natural. God cares for you. In Psalm 35, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. God wants us and gives us grief and wants us to grieve well, and he cares for us. But on the other side of that is mourning. And we'll receive comfort. And what I want you to understand is that there's a difference between comfort and comfortable. Now, the reason, as I look back, the reason that I went on the mission trip was because I pursued escape and comfortable instead of God's comfort. And that's true for most of us, is that in the midst of our grief, instead of leaning into the comfort of God, we pursue comfortable. And so we escape instead of leaning into it. To comfortable means to run away to, to escape. And the comfort of God is to run to and to let him do the healing that he needs. But in that midst of that healing means that there's work that's got to be done. And the enemies of our comfort, we see it, laughter can conceal a heavy heart. And listen, I love to tell jokes, and one day I'm going to do a stand-up comedy show. Um, but I probably won't be able to be a pastor again. So, but laughter conceals a heavy heart. When laughter ends, though, guess what happens? The grief still remains. So let's replace laughter with binge watching. Can conceal a heavy heart, but when the binge ends, grief remains. Relationships can conceal a heavy heart, but when the relationship ends, the grief remains. Alcohol can conceal a heavy heart, but when the alcohol ends, the grief remains. We run to things to find comfort, to be comfortable, but we in that we're pursuing something else and not running to the one that can bring comfort. The peace that passes human understanding. That the only salve for the soul is the Holy Spirit doing the work that only the Holy Spirit can do. Because we can have a living hope even though maybe the most important person and thing our life is now gone. We lean into Jesus. So how does he comfort us? Comforts us in three ways. One, through his presence. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear not the evil because he is with me. He's walking hand in hand with me. And in and, and the darkest of places of valleys, he is with me. And he, interestingly enough, the good shepherd, knows the path to take. And even though we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he has walked that path before. And he knows the places And he knows every step that we need to take. That's why he's walking beside us, comforting us, doing what we need, saying the words that we need to hear in those moments. In John 14, I walk, I will talk to the Father. This is Jesus talking. I will talk to the Father and he'll provide for you another friend 
Some of your translations say, may I will find for you a comforter. This is the Holy Spirit. So that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. So God is with us, comforts us with his presence. He also comforts us with his word. I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word. Psalm 10:7. you will hear their cries and you will comfort them. Psalm 94, 19, when doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and renewed cheer. Psalm 119, 50, your promise revives me. It comforts me in all my troubles. God comforts with his presence. God comforts with his word and God comforts with his people, with his community, with your church people. Whenever we lost our child, People ran to Becky, which was appropriate, to love on her, to dote on her, to care for her. And had one man come to me. He said, Chris, I've walked this road. And in that moment, I was reminded of 2 Corinthians of my friend Joel had walked this road so that when my time came, he was given the spirit of courage to come and say, hey, I've walked this road. Can I walk it with you? And that that is the beauty of biblical community when we're authentic about the seasons of life and the trials of life and the stuff that we've walked through instead of hiding them, leaning into them so that we can care for one another and say, hey, I have walked through the valley of the shadow of death and I can promise you that God walks with us in that. And that He not only is he going to walk with you, but I will walk with you as well. And that that is what our world is looking for, is that people that love and care and that are willing to inconvenience ourselves to walk with each other in the messiness of the most messy times. Because most of the time, we don't know what to do or to say in grief. Because we have this innate understanding that someone else's grief is different than ours. Even though we may have grieved, and we just don't know what to say, and we're fearful of saying the wrong thing. And in all honesty, having walked through many of these beautiful messes, there's really nothing to say. The most powerful thing you bring is your presence and your availability. To just be there. And for people to know that I know that someone knows my pain And knows that I'm in pain in my grief and is willing to be there with me. Second Corinthians says it this way, verse chapter one, verses three through four. I'll praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful father and the source of how much comfort? All comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. For when they are troubled, because trouble will come. We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. His presence, our presence. Maybe it's at a time, maybe, the, maybe, the, maybe God gives you a specific word to give. But it's not your words, it's his. To just be present in those moments. As we close our time, I want to give you a verse I think that's extremely powerful in Isaiah chapter 61. And 
give us this fuller understanding of the goodness of the grief of God. And it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Now, this is a prophecy of Isaiah about the person and work of Jesus, okay? So the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim the captives will be released and the prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. This is what I want you to capture. To all who mourn, He will give a crown of beauty for your ashes. Wow. Your ashes become a crown of beauty. What you've put on your face to mourn. A joyous blessing instead of mourning. And festive praise instead of your despair. In their righteousness, in their right way of living, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. In other words, in the midst of your grief, if we allow God to do what he does and lean into his comfort into pursuing those things that we think will bring us comfort, we will be like great oaks. And we understand what great oaks are around here. That the roots run wide. And so that as the storms of life come, they can withstand. Not in our own strength and our own sustenance, but in the sustenance and the strength of the Lord. And knowing that we've sought him out and he's continued to be faithful. And that as people see us in the midst of the most distressing moments of life, that we can stand strong, not in our own strength, but in his strength. People will say, I want to know your Jesus. That can turn your ashes into beauty. That can turn your mourning into joyous blessing. That can turn your despair into festive praise. May we experience good grief. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you were willing to grieve for us. You chose to grieve through the death, burial of your son, Jesus. Through the moment of separation where all of our stuff was cast upon him and he took it for us. And in that moment, the greatest grief the world has ever known was in that moment. And you looked at us and said, you are worth that grief. Father, I pray for those in this room right now that have pursued comfortable and have pursued other things to medicate their grief and their pain. Father, I pray that they would set those things at the altar today before you and pursue you and you alone. Father, if someone here this morning and they are grieving and they don't know you, that today, maybe that's today's the day. To understand that we have a living hope in you. Father, I pray that no one leaves this place without knowing the hope that we can have in Christ, even in the deepest of grief. For your hope is not a mist, but it's built upon the character of who you are and how you've continually, time after time after time, shown up and been faithful. Father, this morning, we give you our grief. 
May we stand as tall oaks, sustained and refreshed by you and you alone. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.